Grace, peace, and mercy to you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text is our gospel lesson from Luke 10, story of the Good Samaritan. You are to leave here and love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Go love others as yourself. Give freely to those in need around you. We have a tea time shortly, so the Lord be with you. Amen. Confused? (laughs) Bewildered by that command? Or are you pretty confident in your ability to do so? Possibly you're even sure that you can do this for your neighbor and for God. The lawyer saw the law as a means to an end, that end being eternal life if it was kept. And he had done that, or at least he believed so. In attempting to trick Jesus, he had posed the question, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus, knowing the law fully, answered with a question of his own. What is written in the law? How do you read it? The lawyer answered correctly, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor is yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? At this point, I think we can be pretty sure that he really did not grasp or believe who he was speaking to. He was effectively putting himself on trial and thinking he had all the answers asks a follow-up question to seal his case for his own self-righteousness based on his having kept the law in the Torah. He must have been self-confident, even prideful, and sure of the answer. Lawyers don't ask questions during a trial looking for unexpected answers. However, clarification was about to come from the highest source. Jesus replies with a story, and notice who the players are. The poor man, beaten, stripped, robbed, left half dead, a priest, a Levite, and a Samaritan. The man, the poor man, he is not addressed as a Jew or by any other identifiable nationality. He has been jumped by robbers, beaten, left for dead. And then here come those who pass by. The first, a priest, who should have understood the law as perfectly as anyone, goes to the other side of the road, not wanting anything to do with him. The same for the Levite that passed by. A good bit of fear might have played into their actions. What if they were the next ones to be robbed? There were many places to hide along the road, and keeping one's distance could have been seen as a means of self-preservation. I imagine the poor lawyer's head is swimming. Who's the beat-up, half-dead, naked guy? He has not been identified, and the priest went by, and also a Levite. They were keepers of the law. So he's not a Jew, or they would have certainly jumped in to help out, but possibly he was a Jew and a leper. Can't touch a leper, or you're unclean too. But who would have beat up and robbed a leper? Would this poor guy have been my neighbor? Well, enter the Samaritan who had compassion. When he came to where he was and when he saw him, he 
had compassion. The lawyer's mind is now truly spinning, probably. Compassion. A Samaritan? Come on, they're nothing. They are disgrace of a people. They've mixed with other nations, and, and they worship idols. The Samaritan went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he took him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And Jesus went on. And the next day he took out two denarii, and this is about two days' wages, so not a small sum. And he gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He asked. And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. This had to be quite confounding. The one that had mercy had done so for a total stranger. No identity given. It was not for an old classmate, possibly, or a guy down the street that he knew. It was not for an acquaintance he had had in the market and had spoken to a few times. Who is my neighbor? We have all been there, and it's a balancing act. Risk versus benefit, or in this case, really no benefit, but still doing what is good, we might say human, to do. But obviously, someone was not a neighbor to the guy that had been robbed and beaten in the first place. Who would do that to their neighbor? In the words of Yoda, confused the lawyer is getting. Let's see if we can help him out. You see, the poor, beaten, robbed, naked, left-for-dead guy in the story was really the lawyer himself and all others that are struck down in sin and shame. All pass by, no one to help. Even the priest, with all his knowledge of the law, he could not save the man. Without the words of Christ, he was helpless to save him. The same for the Levite. The Samaritan, this was Jesus, who came in the beaten man's time of need to save him. Interesting, one of one, interesting the one for whom there was no place in the inn takes this unknown and pays the debt for him to be housed and nursed to health, taken care of and healed. Imagine what this world would look like if we all acted like the Samaritan in this story. It would really be paradise. No robberies, no muggings, everybody's, what do you need? Oh, here you go, good, oh, thanks. But sin lurks in us asking, who is my neighbor? Who do I have to help? So we are expected to, to I'm sorry, but sin lurks asking his neighbor. I mean, come on, there, there have to be limits on mercy that I am expected, on who I'm expected to show mercy to. There must be limits, right? The answer is wrong. Luke 6.35 says, but love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. This is where we fail at keeping any of the law. We must first fear, love, and trust in God above all. It is then the fear of loving our neighbor is gone. The law can justify no one. All it can do is point to our failure to keep it 
and to Christ is the one that has fulfilled it all. He is loved as no man has or ever will love, completely, with no enmity in him, even for his accusers. Yes, he firmly, even harshly pointed out their hypocrisy and sin, but he spoke the truth to them. The kingdom of God came down to save them too. We are all lying at the side of the road, beat up, robbed of life, and it is sin in us that has put us there. As we lie there in no position to help others, we are dying. Then comes Jesus to bind up our wounds and heal us. Jesus, the King of Kings, climbs off his mount and puts us on it with no thought of his self-preservation. It is the great reversal where he becomes us in taking all of our sin upon himself. He becomes the one that is beaten and robbed, treated unjustly, so he can save us. He keeps the law perfectly in that he first fears, loves, and trusts his Father in heaven above all things. He loves him with all his heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then he gives himself freely and perfectly to his neighbor, you and I, to save us. To see, grasp, and have faith in this, that Jesus died for sinners, of whom I am the worst, is to keep the law. It is to hope in the promise that was given to Adam and Eve and to Abraham. It is to see that this life of sin we fall miserably short, but thanks be to God that he sent his Son to be sin for us and save us. In all your worries, fears, and beatdowns in this life, you have a perfect neighbor. Jesus is near, as near as the font, as near as the cup and wine and his blood, as near as the patent with the bread and his body. He comes to bind up the helpless and give strength and eternal life. You don't do it. Jesus does. In the name of Jesus. Amen.